Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test based in Annapolis, Maryland. Reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Hello, and welcome back to the CLT offices. We're glad you're here. Today, we're joined by Dr. Adam C. Wright, the sixth president of Dallas Baptist University. Dr. Wright previously served as vice president and dean of the Cook School of Leadership, where he provided academic leadership and taught at both the undergraduate and graduate level. If this is your first time listening to us, I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what Anchored is. This is a podcast where our CEO, Jeremy Tay, engages in conversations with leading thinkers on issues at the intersection of education and culture. We appreciate your feedback, so please rate and review this episode and send any questions or comments to anchored at cltexam.com. If you're interested in learning more about the CLT and finding out upcoming test dates, head to www.cltexam.com slash get started. Now, without any further ado, let's get on with the conversation. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. Uh, today, we are here with, I think, one of the most popular college presidents I know of, and at one time, one of the youngest, uh, president of Dallas Baptist University, a very, very popular college among CLT test takers, uh, is President Adam Wright. Uh, president Wright, thanks for being with us. You bet, Jeremy, and uh, thank you, and uh, thanks to your team for uh, the outstanding job that you do. I've, I've been an admirer of yours for quite some time, and uh, to, to see the success that you've had in even a relatively short amount of time with uh, CLT has been tremendous. So kudos to you and to your team for doing an outstanding job. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Tracy Gardner, uh, who is the Chief Operating Officer here at CLT, who is co-hosting uh, this episode with us. Um, and, and one of the reasons we're doing that is because I know, I know DBU uh, is either one or two uh, top choice, depending on which gardener daughter daughter you talk to. Uh, they've been a number of times, and they're they're big DBU fans. Uh, Dr. Gardner, thanks for being with us as well. Very excited to be here, Jeremy. Thank you. So, President Wright, I'm wondering if you could tell us. We'd love to start off the Anchored Podcast talking about kind of early uh, education. Uh, were you a, a studious young boy? Did you ever see yourself becoming a college president? No and no. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really crazy the evolution uh, my appreciation for education has taken. Um, and so it's, uh, it's grown and developed over time. And I, I was very fortunate to have uh, some mentors really speak into my life uh, at a younger age. Uh, I wish I had had them in my life even younger uh, than when I had met them. But, but learning was something uh, that really didn't become a passion of mine until uh, when I got to college, actually. I mean, I, you know, I, I went to a, a pretty fairly academically rigorous school in the public system here in, in North Texas. And uh, so it wasn't that academics were shifted to the side. I mean, they were really front and center, uh, played football, sang in the choir. Uh, so it was really rounded in athletics and arts and academics and, and whatnot. But uh, it wasn't until coming to, to DBU as an undergraduate student, really being poured into, invested in, and having some mentors that really the light bulb uh, came on. And, I, and I'll, just so you know, I mean, I was, I had already been to orientation at SMU. Uh, I was SMU bound. 
that's where I'd wanted to go to school. Um, and I'm very grateful for my predecessor, uh, Dr. Gary Cook, who was president here for 28 years. Yeah. Uh, took a personal interest in me. And, and that really is when things began to shift sig- in significant ways in, in my life. Wow. And, and during President Cook's tenure, DVU, it kind of transitioned, right, from, from kind of a commuter campus to this, this kind of household name that it's becoming and, and becoming even more so under your leadership. Yeah, one of the frustrating um, aspects of what I do is I hear from the community saying DBU is one of Dallas's best kept secrets. And uh, that's, been, <laughs> that's been one of the things that we've been fighting against is as, as, as people begin to, to learn about DBU, recognize that we're a nationally ranked comprehensive liberal arts university and really have this global presence, there, there are not more people that just know about DBU or what's happening at, at DBU. And so I would say that perhaps an area we need to major more in is marketing and telling the story of, of really what's happening on our campus. I, I have to say, I'm a fellow Texan as well. I live down I-35 in San Antonio. And admittedly, I haven't done much in the college search process until the last couple of years. But even living here in San Antonio, I hadn't learned too much about DBU until I became a CLT parent. So I have six children, uh, two of which are in high school right now. And I learned about DBU through when my oldest daughter took CLT and she uh, received some marketing material from DBU. And I was immediately blown away by the photographs of the campus. Um, And so we actually took our first campus visit of DBU back in December. And we did the Christmas light tour on a Monday evening. I think it was December 20th. Um, the campus blew us away from the time we drove in on the on the first street getting into the campus. And I immediately felt like I was in Philadelphia upon getting onto your campus and being in the heart of North Texas, that was not expected to me. Can you talk a little bit about the design of your campus and why you sort of selected a style that that looks like uh, Continental Hall in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> Dr. Gardner, I cannot thank you enough for teeing me up the way that you <laughs> have done so here. You and, you and President Tate are, are very generous uh, to me and to us at DBU. And, and I'll say uh, there are very few presidents. In fact, uh, for those of you watching, I would challenge you, find another college president at a nationally ranked comprehensive liberal arts university that would stand up before a group of people or be on a podcast and say, hey, we're unapologetic about Christ and country at DBU. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have an unapologetic sense of, of the call that God has given us and embracing uh, traditional Christian values and integrating our faith with learning at DBU, but also having a great appreciation for the country that we've been born into here in America and is home to 10% of our student body population that are international students. We really bring a, a diversity of ideas and population in from around the world that want to be at a place that are proud of our history mm-hmm. and our heritage as, as Americans. And so uh, this our mascots, the Patriot, the buildings on campus are colonial style and natured. Uh, we understand that we we live in a in a country that's not perfect and run by imperfect people, uh, but we serve a perfect God and He's given us things to steward 
like the place in which we've been called to live and to manifest a faithful presence for the glory of God. And so we believe in that at DBU. Dr. Gardner, you've, you've alluded to feeling a sense of like you're in Philadelphia. Um, and I want to be sure that all those watching and listening in know that uh, it's by what you see and the beauty of the campus and the hearts and the lives of the students and the faculty and staff. Uh, there are other things about Philadelphia and, and having a sense of being in Philadelphia I don't really want to go into on this podcast uh, that, that are contrary to what we're about at, at DBU. Uh, there are a lot of good folks living in Philadelphia, but th- it was this idea uh, of building up a college campus that was really hearkening American history and an appreciation for American history by having colonial style buildings on our on our campus. So we've adopted a very Georgian colonial styled architecture. For, for those of you history students out there, you might remember the name Frederick Law Olmsted. And uh, when Frederick Law Olmsted, he was kind of the, the design behind Central Park in New York, this idea of making these beautiful spaces um, in, in different cities where, where they were highly dense, highly populated, uh, and we brought in a, a, a flair of uh, Frederick Law Olmsted's work in trying to think strategically about designing our campus community by having these beautiful buildings, but also great reflection places where we brought the natural beauty, ponds, lakes, green space, trees. Uh, we, we just finished a beautiful walking trail on campus. And, and it's not just about having a place where students can grow physically, but they can also at the same time grow spiritually as well. So we've got scripture verses along the walking and jogging trail, statues, uh, uh, religious statues across campus, not statues that we worship, but that point to the one uh, we worship. So there is deep thought and and continuing evolving thought in creating a campus uh, that really points uh, to, to the ultimate beauty and Christ and what he is doing and has done at DBU. So thank thank you, Dr. Gardner, for that question. Love that. Uh, President Wright, you are a student uh, of higher ed, and I, I want to pick your brain about some pretty dramatic uh, changes, uh, especially in where students are going, some enrollment changes. Uh, some folks are, are estimating that there is going to be a contraction of students within four-year brick-and-mortar colleges of up to 30% over five or 10 years. Um, But what we've also seen, I don't think people anticipated, uh, and that's a real jump uh, in enrollment. Uh, In fact, the Washington Examiner, Jeremiah Jeremiah Poff, released an article a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was titled uh, COVID-19 and and Woke Culture Drive Enrollment. And it was full of of stats of schools like Grove City, Hillsdale. I'm sure Dallas Baptist was in there on the Catholic side, Franciscan, Benedictine, where they're bucking all the national trends. You know, um, can you speak to what what's going on? Why is this? Why didn't anybody see this coming? Yeah, you know, there there are, there are a lot of different factors contributing to this, President Tate. I, I will say that there is, and, and for any of the parents that are watching this and students as well, uh, regardless of what anyone tells you, there is indoctrination that's taking place mm-hmm. on college and university campuses across this country, and and on campuses that you would really be surprised to think, gosh, indoctrination taking place. You know, our approach at DBU is to start with the premise that all truth is God's truth. We start from there recognizing the incredible opportunity we have to shape hearts and minds and not tell students what to think, but to teach them how to think. And I think that's an important delineation as you're thinking about where to continue your education 
that you choose uh, as a as an educated consumer and ask the question, okay, are they teaching me and telling me what to think, or are they actually teaching me how to think? Um, and I and I'd like to say that DBU um, is indoctrinating in its own sense in a in a Christian environment that's pointing people toward the the capital T truth uh, that, that we find. Uh, in Christ. In fact, I was talking to a, a physics professor on campus today. Uh, he has a background at one of our faith-based institutions as an undergraduate uh, student and then graduated at a large uh, secular state school um, in the Midwest. And the disparity between what he received at both of those institutions was pretty significant. And as a physicist today, that's really helped illuminate his thinking and understanding and having this faith-based background and understanding that really at the institution he was at was also integrating a lot of the curricula that you'll find at CLT institutions, rhetoric, great books, uh, developing critical thinking and understanding. Um, And he sees how this is not only embraced in an institution like DBU and others that are endorsers of, of CLT, uh, but also encouraged as well. And so I think I think people are fed up. I think they're fed up around the country in terms of what they've seen is happening in higher education. And, and they're they're finally starting to say, you know, okay, we're 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 going to a place that is going to uh, be more critical on teaching us how to think rather than the theories out there telling us what to think. So we came up on a Patriot Day. Other other uh, reasons why, but I want to be respectful of time too, Dr. Gardner. Yeah, Dr. Wright, we had the opportunity to come up on a Patriot Day, and my daughters absolutely enjoyed that day. They got to meet with professors. They got to go to a college fair and see several different departments um, and have an opportunity to engage in conversations with current students. And two of the programs that my oldest daughter was particularly interested in Um, are the PPE program, the the philosophy, politics, and economics program, and the honors program. So can you speak to each of those? I think each of those programs are such a great fit for students who are engaged in a great books program and who who are engaged in the the CLT test-taking experience. Yeah, you know, um, I'll say that we've seen in our honors program the enrollment in that in that uh, program more than double uh, within two years' time uh, at DBU. I think there's a real need and a desire uh, for that type of learning, that type of challenge that takes place both curricularly and extracurricularly in honors programs uh, at places at places like DBU. We we feel like that's a that's a that's a gap uh, to be filled among uh, students that have excelled uh, incredibly well academically and that feel like, you know, for a while, perhaps there was not just a, a, a better option, uh, you know, out there. I mean, some of the options that they felt like they needed to go to really be stretched and challenged in an honors program were teaching or challenging in, in ways that are contrary to perhaps what they've been brought up with or encouraged by. And he would have interest in. And so we, we felt like that that was a void that we could double, a gap that we could double down in and really be aggressive and pursuing more, providing uh, opportunities for scholarship and mentorship development with professors uh, in, in, that, in that honors program. In regard to the PPE uh, program, that actually was birthed out of a desire I had as, a, as the dean for our School of Leadership at DBU several years ago 
Uh, I take a group of students with me to the University of Oxford each summer. We spend three weeks there, doctoral students and some undergraduate master's students. We talk about uh, geopolitics, globalization, cultural intelligence, Mm -hmm. concepts of power and and it was there and in, in original origins of PPE programs actually had their original origin, origins there at, at Oxford and some schools at Cambridge. Um, and, I, and I thought, you know, this this would really complement what we're doing well at DBU as we seek the well-rounded student to enroll, uh, to see matriculate into DBU, but to also help craft and curate the, the well-rounded student for vocational pathways that would lead into a number of fields. Again, the idea is not to create uh, uh, widget makers on our hill, uh, but those that can can learn the critical thinking skills to begin to anticipate uh, the the jobs of tomorrow that don't even exist today. And so we see the PPE uh, program at DBU and providing a, a unique rounding of sorts for those students that want to be challenged uh, intellectually, uh, to be able to think and see uh, the world perhaps a little differently uh, than than other programs might only be able to provide more of a narrow narrow scope or, or perspective. And I will say, uh, uh, and not to sound like I'm coming to the defense of all the other programs at DBU, but being a liberal arts university, you are getting a nice seasoning of that in every program that you have. Campus, uh, perhaps just not with the intent, the level of intentionality that you might have in a in a PPE program. That's great. And, and if you're you're a student or parent listening to this, PPE is an increasingly popular major. Uh, and there's only two other colleges I know of, Silty Partner Colleges, that offer it. Uh, that's at King's College in New York, and then the University of Navarra in uh, in Pamplona, Spain. Uh, President Wright, I'm wondering. We've asked a few of our guests this question, and I'm wondering your take on this as. You know, some students coming out of a K-12 classical Christian uh, school or just a Christian school are kind of saying, Mom, Dad, I've been in a Christian school for 12 years. I want to go to the big state school and kind of have some fun. Uh, and when you get a chance to enter into that conversation, you know, with mom and dad and student, um, how do you maybe nuance that perspective a little bit? Well, it's going to be different. Uh, I promise you it's going to be different regardless of what uh, Christian university, you might be looking at post for, for post-secondary education. Um, what you experienced at the primary and secondary level comparative to what you will experience mm-hmm. at the post-secondary level is going to be different. You're, you're comparing apples and oranges when you're talking about two different types of institutions right off the bat. Uh, because what, for one instance, you've got to think in terms of just the population that's being educated is um, a lot more specific and a lot more concentrated than the population that you came from. Secondly, you know, I, I studied uh, human psychosocial development and uh, some of my doctoral work and, and uh, graduate work as a master's student. And, and there, there are completely different developmental stages that occur in primary education, secondary education, and then in post-secondary education. And so the level of development, the type of development that a student is going through post-secondary comparative to just secondary education is pretty significant in itself uh, as well. Uh, You know, I think you need to be, uh, I go back to this term again, a good consumer of research. Uh, So when you're studying and you're looking at that uh, post-secondary institution, the place you're going to continue your higher education in college, uh, you, you need to be uh, you need to be very keen on asking questions 
that matter to you, that relate to what you want to do, what you want to study, where you want to grow, how you see yourself developing. And, and what you'll find is even amongst a population of, of uh, Christian liberal arts universities, there's going to be some pretty dramatic differences as well. Uh, so we're, we're all pretty uh, operating you know, largely autonomously as Christian colleges and universities. It's hard to just kind of lump all of them in together in a category, which is why it's important, I think, to have associations with organizations like CLT. And, and by the way, I've never met another organization quite like CLT. So, it's, so, so it has to be delineated in a sense in its own right. But when you look at who CLT represents, that is a great cohort or a set of, mm. uh, of somewhat like-minded colleges and universities that you could begin to dip your toes in as an educated consumer when you're thinking about where to continue your education. I have two things I want to follow up related to what you just spoke about. Um, first of all, um, Angelina really loved the concept of the living learning communities that are available at DBU. So I'd like for you to speak on that. And I certainly wouldn't want to close out my part of the conversation with you about an opportunity to talk about the summer program, because Angelina is also coming for that amazing program in July. So I've heard about this. To, yeah. Can you speak to each of those um, those programs as well? Yes, absolutely. Dr. Gardner, are you talking about the uh, uh, the Servant Leadership Institute, the Christian Servant Leadership Institute this, this summer? Yes, yes. Um, and then, so, so let me talk about the Christian uh, Leadership Institute. So our, our mission is to produce servant leaders. Uh, there was a Nobel Prize winner years ago. Uh, his name was Albert Schweitzer. He said that, I don't know what your destiny may be, but one thing that I do know is those among you who will truly be happy or those who have sought and found how to serve. And I think uh, there, you know, students that are watching, you know, just, I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but we are, we are living in a world that is full of entitlement, uh, that is full of self uh, and a, and a level, level of egoism that, that has uh, rarely, I think, been seen amongst uh, generations gone by. Now we all have problems with self. Uh, and let me just be the first to admit that. Um, and, and there's a lot that could be spoken into in terms of this concept of pride in each, in each of us. Um, and so one of the things that we try to do and teach at DBU, even in the process of engaging prospective students, is I, this idea of what it means to serve and meet the needs of others. Um, uh, you can read up on Albert Schweitzer, but I'll just say he, he wasn't he wasn't of the Baptist tradition. He wasn't. He was an incredible academic, um, and wasn't even one necessarily that was you know leaning into Christian tradition as, as well. But he knew he knew the value of serving and meeting the needs of others. That incredible value that even transcends um, faith uh, commitments. And so, at DBU, we recognize that. But combining that with the mandate that we believe as Christians that we're called to serve and meet the needs of others of, of other people. We know that Jesus, uh, one of his greatest acts of service was, he says in Matthew, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So what we do through the Christian Leadership Institute at DBU is we bring students in uh, for about a week. We give them the experience of what life would be like on University Hill as a student, but we integrate, we infuse that whole experience with opportunities to discuss service, and to actually live it out uh, by our actions at DBU. 
uh, I would encourage you all to look into it. Uh, I think it's uh, capped in terms of participation uh, on that. So if you're interested, act, act quick. It's probably full or it's uh, filling at this point. And then, Dr. Gardner, what was that? What was the first question? I, I got so passionate about the second one. <laughs> yes, the idea of the living learning communities, which I think ties into how an experience at DBU would be very different than a large state school, for example. Yeah, you know, um, um, we really believe in this concept of developing the whole person. It's a philosophy in student affairs that's based out of Luke 2.52, where Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so as we do that, as we take a holistic approach in developing uh, our students, we see the value in them being on campus and being really in living learning communities. Uh, When you're on campus, or you should Google it, Uh, Ford Village, the Peterson Residential College at DBU. Uh, We have a couple of different residential college concepts that have emerged at DBU for first-year students. uh, We have Jewel House and Stone House for first-year students at DBU to live in Ford Village, this residential living, learning, and community uh, community, uh, that's really focused on the first-year development, uh, engaging students right as they get in uh, as first-year students at, at DBU. Jewel House for women, Stone House for men. There's activities germane to both groups that they do independent of one another and then together as a much larger group. And then it, it serves as a feeder into Peterson Residential College for those that are interested. This is the, the best way to describe it is like think in terms of Robert Greenleaf's uh, Jefferson House that he used to write about, where there was a faculty mentor that lived among the students that lived in this house. And these students, uh, and by the way, when I say lived with, the faculty mentor actually has a separate apartment, but it's within that facility uh, where men and women are living in different units uh, in, resi- in the residential college. Uh, but but in each in each unit, uh, at DBU, the way it works is there's eight students to a unit. Once a week, they, they're required to have a family meal. So you're eating each week uh, around, a, around a table, and you're working your way through a, a book uh, within your unit. And then once a month, you're coming together with everybody in the residential college to have a conversation, a larger conversation on what you've been talking about, exploring, thinking about. Uh, and we bring in leaders from business and ministry and medicine and education, and the list goes on. But the idea is to infuse Christ-centered servant leadership into what we're doing on campus. And these are students living there that are from uh, the math and science area or from theology, studying theology or studying business at DBU. And so it just adds to and enhances their campus experience. The other residential college we have uh, relates to global leadership. And so it's a much more of a global emphasis and things that they're reading and studying and learning uh, have everything to do with uh, more of a global uh, emphasis. So these have been hugely successful for us at DBU. Uh, our short-term studies have indicated that students that participate in residential college experiences or learning experiences, we retain them at a rate of 94% over wow. four year over a four-year period, which is just unbelievable. President Wright, the question uh, that we always end the Anchor podcast with is you got you to gotta pick one book here, uh, the book that has been most formative on you. And if you pick the Bible, the rule of the game is that you've got you to tell us which book in the Bible that has been particularly influential on you. Um, 
Dr. Gardner, will you answer to me which child is your favorite first? <laughs> I can't answer that one, sir. <laughs> you almost answered my question there, and President Tate's uh, question for me. I, I am, uh, I cannot live without my books, as you see, and, and this is just one. It's a beautiful library behind you. It's yeah, it's 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 representative of one case of about five or six different cases that I've got. Uh, spread out throughout the office. Um, I'll say this um, because I love books. I'm actually working through about actively 10 books uh, right now. And um, and I'll say, and I'm going to give you the title of a book uh, because you asked, and it was incredibly formative for me. It's not a difficult read. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's probably not one you're going to find in the canon of great books, but it was very practical for me in my Christian formation. So um, Henry Blackaby wrote this book called Experiencing God. And so for us Christian leaders, I think that we've got a big question to ask as we grow and develop and nature our own Christian leadership. Are we going to be busy about getting people onto our agenda or are we going to be busy about getting people onto God's agenda? And I think we get too worked up at times and thinking about what is my purpose for life? What is God calling me to do? And, and in a rather simplistic yet powerful way, what Blackaby does is not reductionist, in my opinion, but he says our mandate is clear. It's to glorify God and to make his name known, to know him and to make his name known. Sounds a bit like the, the catechism uh, uh, there, to, uh, to, to glorify, to know God and enjoy him forever, in a sense. But as we, as we seek first the kingdom of God, Blackaby says, making him the center of our life, um, seeking to pursue him. Everything has a way of falling into place and adding it up the way that it needs to be. And a final thought here, David Noggle, who has gone on with the Lord, was an incredible philosopher here at DBU, literally coined the term Christian worldview, wrote the book, mm, uh, Reordered Love, Reordered Lives. And what we've, what we've done in humanity is we've reordered the loves of our lives which is in essence reorder our lives into a way uh, that is incongruent with the way the creator God has designed us to be. And so when we go back and we begin to reorder our love, making God first, knowing him first, then we begin to reorder the loves in our lives to create a, a, an idea of human flourishing, unlike perhaps we've ever even realized or dreamt of. Brother, I can't even imagine if more college presidents uh, talk the way you talk. I mean, it, absolutely so inspiring uh, and encouraging. And what what has been built and what, what you've built, uh, what President Cook before you built at DBU, uh, it's increasingly, you know, I, I talk to parents whenever I get a chance to about, you know, what, what is your top five list? Increasingly hearing DBU on that list as well. And I had Tracy's experience. You get on campus. I don't know if I thought Dallas was ugly or something, but I, it is really beautiful. You're like overseeing this beautiful lake and it's on a hill and colonial architecture. It's, it's really gorgeous. So uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, thank you for standing for truth uh, in a confusing time, a confusing age. Uh, very grateful as well for our partnership with you here at CLT. So very grateful for you, President Tate, Dr. Gardner, for your work. Uh, keep fighting the good fight and keep the faith. You all are doing an outstanding job. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.